Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and a special thank you and shout out to Newsstand Studio at One Rock Center. Thank you so much to Joe and the team over at Rockefeller for producing this episode of the podcast. I am so grateful for you. Also, hello, I have a big update for you. We are taking the next month completely off of the podcast. Now, I've taken time off in the podcast before, but when I have done that, I have replayed old episodes. This time for the next four weeks, we're not even playing old episodes. I just need a mother love and break. And I will also be in Italy for one of my best friend's weddings. And I'm actually officiating the wedding, which I've never done before. But anyways, we're taking a legit break. So over the next few weeks, you can listen to old episodes or, I don't know, go on walks, hang out with friends, have rosé all day, do what you need to do. So I just wanted to give you that update. Also, a little Patreon update. Yes, we're taking a break from the podcast, but I'm not taking a break from Patreon. I will still be having my monthly book club via Zoom on Patreon. It will be the last Thursday of June. We're going over Pete N's book, The Bible Tells Me So. You can grab it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you grab books. And we will have our book club discussion the last Thursday in June. If you want to join, go to patreon.com slash the refined collective to join the book club. You need to join at the $12 tier. If you just want to join at the $5 tier, we have so many amazing things for you as well. We have a ton of VIP video content, podcast content that is only alive on Patreon. And then I also do a live group coaching call for all of my Patreon members. That will be the last Wednesday of June. So that's super fun. What's so fun about all this stuff is I'm really trying to create an actual community where we're seeing each other's faces multiple times a month, where we're interacting, commenting, having meaningful dialogues. So if that's something you are hungry for, patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. On to today's episode. Today is an episode called Ask Cat. 
And it's modeled after my Mentor Mondays on Instagram, which I love doing every Monday or let's be real, most Mondays. I put a box up on IG stories, say, ask me anything. And then I attempt to answer your very difficult and layered and nuanced questions in 15 second sound bites. Part of me loves that because it helps me get really clear on what I want to say to you. But the other side of that is it's kind of torturous because almost every question is full of layers and nuance. And I want to ask follow-up questions. And here is my chance to do that. And I also want to answer questions in more than 15-second sound bites because... Like I said, it's torturous for me. So if you like this episode, guess what? I have another Ask Cat episode. It's episode 190. We will link it in the show notes. So you can just go on a little Ask Cat podcast binge. On to today's questions. Now, here's the thing. I'm challenging myself to get through as many questions as I can today because y'all sent in some of the best questions. And... I'm really going to try hard not to go on too many tangents because I want to get through as many as I can without it being a 90-minute episode. All right. Question number one. I love this question, starting with lighter topics, and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. Question number one. What did you think of the Bridgerton series and now the ongoing show? Do you have a favorite book? All right. I, like the rest of the world, watched Bridgerton season one with Daphne and the Duke on Netflix. I loved it. I honestly didn't think I was going to enjoy season two at all because the Duke and Daphne weren't really in it. But then I started reading the series. And if you follow me on Instagram, this week I'm finishing up the final book in the series, which is book number eight. So how the book series goes is each book is dedicated to one of the Bridgerton kids. So there are eight Bridgerton children. Each book is their own unique story. I 100% did love Duke and Daphne's story, although I'm telling you this much, book-wise and series-wise, I do not know if it can get better than season two for a million reasons why. The TV show, Why Do I Love Season 2, uh, Jonathan Bailey, who plays Antony, is an incredible actor. I am mesmerized by his glow up and his emotions, his nonverbals. I mean, the guy is just an incredible actor. And I think the entire population of straight women mourned when they all found out that Jonathan Bailey is actually a gay man because we all thought we had a chance with him. But he just knocks it out of the ballpark in season two on the show. And I think another reason why season two even numbers-wise, did better than season one, is there were less sex scenes. Now, I'm not a prude. I'm not against sex scenes. I've read the Fifty Shades of Grey books. I've seen the movies. That stuff doesn't cause me to quote-unquote stumble or anything. But there is something about sexual tension as opposed to kind of showing the full Monty that is so enticing and gripping in a way that just having sex or watching a sex scene, you're just like, okay, they did the thing. But season two, I think there's a little tiny spoiler alert. There is only one sex scene in the entire series. Whereas season one, there's like sex, like crazy. (laughs) 
And so I just loved the moments of tension between Antony and Kate are just Oh my gosh, chef's kiss. I literally will watch a scene with the two of them and then rewind it and watch it again to see it from a different angle. Ugh, it's the sexual tension that gets me. Now, book-wise, I will say Antony's Story is my favorite book as well. And I would say close runner-up would be book number three with Colin and Penelope, which is what season three Bridgerton on Netflix is going to be about. All right, Let's go on to the next question. Lawson sent in a question asking, do you have any tips on how to be outwardly LGBTQ plus affirming within my Christian community? First of all, thank you so much for asking this question. We are in the middle of June, which is Pride Month, and just a big shout out to all of the LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters and humans that are part of this community. I love you. I see you. I'm so grateful for you. I hope you have an incredible Pride Month. And I would say the first and most important thing to do is to do the inner work, which sounds like you probably are already doing, Lassen, but I think we can so quickly want to jump to what can I post on social media? What talking points can I bring up in conversation? Yes, that's important, but make sure that you really are committed to being an ally in your personal life. For me, what that has looked like for a really long time is listening, learning, and reading, and really trying to hear and absorb the experiences of the LGBTQ plus community here in the world. Now, a few people that I just love so much and have been so blessed by their work and their faith work as queer folk are Jonathan Merritt, Jeff Chu. Jeff Chu runs Evolving Faith with Sarah Bessie. Matthew Vines has an incredible ministry. I'm currently reading his book, God and the Gay Christian. Julie Rogers actually went to high school with her and college. She has a book out called A Queer Christian Survival Story. Oh my gosh. I think her book is not to like play comparison, but like I think most insightful book that I've read so far on a queer Christian's life experience in a very heterosexual Christian world. And then there's Mike Mayashiro. He used to be a pastor at Bethel and left Bethel in the last year, has come out and is now living in Nashville. And he has a whole online program for people who are in the LGBTQ plus community who want support as people of faith and then also people who identify as heterosexual or cisgender and want to be an ally for the LGBTQ plus community. So I'll link all of that in the show notes along with websites and books of all the other people that I have just mentioned. But I would say Are you willing to do that work first and foremost on yourself? And then how can you be outwardly affirming? Just be who you are. When you see homophobia or degradation of the queer community, speak up and say something. I think one of the biggest outward moves I have made is I left being a part of any churches that are not LGBTQ plus affirming. It's one of the reasons why I am not a part of a church currently is because I no longer want to be a part of Christian community that is not affirming. 
of the queer community. So I would encourage you, if you are a part of a Christian community that is not affirming to either reconsider that, or yes, I'm asking you to reconsider that. And even in saying that, I know that there's value in some people staying and being an alternative voice in that community. I do understand that. And I think, you know, sometimes we get so focused on, okay, a person is at point A. How do we get them to point Z? A person has to go from point A to point B and then point B to point C and point C to point D. There's a lot of steps before getting to point Z. And so I know the answer for everyone isn't just to leave their church or their community. But I would say definitely be willing to talk about this stuff. Talk about what you're learning. Start a book club. Have conversations, you know, be willing to speak up when you hear vocabulary that is harmful to the LGBTQ plus community. Those are my thoughts. I would love to hear what you guys think as well. And also even just looking at the list of people that I mentioned to you, almost all of the people I mentioned to you are white people. I myself have clearly way more work to do because I, off the top of my head, don't have a ton of resources from queer BIPOC humans. And so if you know of any great resources, please reach out to me and I will read them myself. I will learn, listen, and also share them with this community. All right. Maddie asks, I'm not interested in dating unless it's this one person. Is this a problem? (laughs) I mean, we've all had that, right? I am only interested in dating the one person that I am currently interested in. I really, really get that. And here are a few things that I would reflect back to you. First of all, are they available to you? You know, sometimes it's, I really like this person and they're in another relationship or they have told me explicitly that they are only interested in friendship or they have said that they are not open to dating right now or maybe they live cross country or overseas and don't want to do anything long distance. Are they available to you? If you can say, yes, 100%, I know they're available to me, then go for it. And maybe if you hesitate on that answer, well, I don't know. I actually don't know if they're available to me. Nothing has been said or done that would make me think that they're not, but I just don't know. Then be willing to explore that. Maddie, be willing to ask them out. Be willing to have a conversation with this person. Hey, I love spending time with you, or maybe I don't know them that well, but hey, I have a crush on you. I would love to go out with you on a date sometime. Is that something you'd be interested in? And really giving them the opportunity to let you know if they're available. So if you're uncertain, get some certainty. Clarity is key when it comes to dating and honestly, when it comes to most of life. And then I will reiterate another question. Are you willing to ask them out? As women, and I think especially women who grew up in faith communities, we are taught to put our hands behind our back and we need to be led. We want to be quote unquote pursued when relationships are all about mutual reciprocation. Also, you can 100% ask a person out and remain in the feminine. Here's the difference. Here would be a way to stay in the feminine when you're asking someone out. 
hey, I would love to get to know you more. Is that something that you would be open to do? Versus a more masculine approach would be, hey, I would love to take you on a date. Are you free this Friday at 7 p.m.? You see the difference? One is more of an invitation and the other feels a little bit more like a demand. Being in the, the feminine space is creating invitations. And then finally, the third thing is accepting the reality of what is. You asked, is this a problem? I'm not interested in dating unless it's this one person. So are you willing to ask them out? Have you asked them out and they've said they're not interested? Are they available to you? Or maybe they're completely not available to you. Then accept the reality of what is. When we focus on the future too much, we get caught and obsessed with living in fantasy land. Whereas also when we focus on the past, we get caught in regret as opposed to accepting the reality of what is today. What is the reality of what is today? Are they available to you? Are they not? If they are not, move on. Date other people. It is also perfectly acceptable to date even when and if you are not 100% over another person. That's something that I have 100% done I've been very open with you about my dating history in the last year. I dated a guy last year that I was crazy about. It didn't work out. I did take a few months space to really get over that person. And then I just started dating again. I got back out there even when I wasn't 100% over them because what I knew 100% is the reality of what was is that they made it very clear they were not available to me. They're also dating someone else. And so the reality of what is, is that person is not available to me. So I get to be with someone who is available for me. And so that means being open to people other than that person. So can you accept the reality of what is? It's okay to like someone, but if they're not an option for you or they're unavailable to you, be open to other things. And I will say that part of me getting over my ex was allowing myself to date other people, which I always thought was like bad or wrong. Like, aren't you just using other people if you're dating when you're not totally over someone? But honestly, it was one of the biggest gifts in my healing process because I ended up going on a date with another man. And it was one of my top five best dates of my life. I think we ended up spending like 12 hours together. It was so fun. There was so much connection, so much chemistry, and it ended up not going further than a couple of dates, but it was such a vivid, visceral, physical reminder that there are other guys out there and that I can have other meaningful connections with other guys. That my ex who I had been hung up on forever wasn't the only amazing guy in the world. So can you like someone like this person (laughs) and still date other people? Yes. And back to your final question, is this a problem? It's a problem if it's holding you back, Maddie. Is it keeping you from being open to other people? Then I would say, yeah, that might be a problem. No one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you. And no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc identified the problems with healthcare and said, enough. And now booking a great doctor is surprisingly pain-free. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. 
You can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. On their site, you can choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you're booked with someone in your network who gets you. I use ZocDoc because it has taken the stress out of my doctor visits. Go to ZocDoc.com slash cat and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your research for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash cat, K-A-T, ZocDoc.com slash cat. Do you remember the first TRC episode of 2022? In it, I shared some of my financial goals for this podcast. As you've heard me say before, having a podcast is expensive, and ads make it possible for me to make this podcast a reality. Podcorn is a company that has been helping me reach those goals. Once you sign up for the platform, you can see loads of brands that are interested in purchasing ad spots. You can send pitches directly to the brand, choose the air dates you want to schedule the ad spots for, and your rate for each ad spot. Podcore not only is a huge help to podcasts of all sizes by giving them opportunities and control over their rates, but they are also directly supporting my podcast by sponsoring this episode. So a huge thank you to Podcorn. Explore sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast by signing up at the link in this episode's show notes or go to podcorn.com slash podcasters. Grace asks how to know your values while dating during deconstruction. This is a great question. And recently I had a conversation with my therapist. I think I've talked about it a few times on the podcast so far, but we're just going to keep talking about it because I think it's really important. I was talking with my therapist about who should I be dating right now as I'm unpacking my faith? Should I be dating Christian guys? A lot of Christian guys that I match with online or that I meet with even in person. I think we're reading different Bibles or we're very different or what, how our faith manifests itself in our lives is so opposite. And he goes, Catherine, there's a difference between beliefs and values. You can share belief about God, but the manifestation of values can be very different. You want to be with someone that you have shared values. So what does that mean for dating during deconstruction? Well, deconstruction primarily has to do with your beliefs or doctrine about who God is, who I am, who others are in light of who your beliefs about God to be. It doesn't necessarily have to attack your values. So I think how to know your values while dating during deconstruction, pause and get clear about what is important to you. Do you want to have a relationship with someone who is kind, generous, financially stable, who you can laugh with? Do you have a high value for quality time? Do you have a high value for integrity, character? All of these things really are a manifestation of values. And I would argue that what we think about God or don't think about God impacts our values. But you can, again, have the same belief about God. And yet I am a progressive, liberal, pro-choice Democrat. And the person who has the same belief about God can be 
a pro-life, right-wing, I'm going to storm the Capitol, white Christian nationalist. So our values are completely opposite. So get clear on what your values are. Does social justice matter to you? Does holistic living matter to you? Figure out what your values are outside of your belief about God. And yes, a lot of our values come from what we do or do not believe about God, but start there. And then can you get to know someone based off shared values? That's what I'm trying to navigate right now. And You know, I'd actually try to be pretty private about what my current dating life looks like because I think it's so easy to allow our in-the-messy-middle process moments to become teaching points for other people or content for podcast or Instagram or whatever. And I feel really passionate about living my life in real time with real people. So there's actually so much that I don't share with you because I want to process it with my community. But what I will tell you is I have been dating so much recently. I've been dating a lot, a lot of different types of guys. And for really the first time ever, I have been dating guys who either walked away from the faith or who grew up in the faith but aren't really serious about their faith anymore but curious. And then also guys who have no sort of Jesus conversation. And I've just been trying it on. What does this feel like? Does this work for me? Do we have shared values outside of faith? And I don't have it figured out. I'm still single, but I am trying to be open in a way that I haven't before and curious and looking at the whole picture outside of, does this person just have a bumper sticker or a name tag of, I'm a Christian? Who are they outside of that? So I think it's possible and even valuable to date during deconstruction as you navigate what are my values outside of my beliefs. The next question is from Katie, and it's kind of similar. And so I'm just going to keep going with it. (laughs) Katie says, what is your personal opinion and or biblical stance on interfaith relationships? So clearly, like I just said, I believe that there is a difference between beliefs versus values, or let me say that a little softer. My therapist just brought this up to me within the last month. So for the first time in my life, I'm becoming open to seeing and experiencing how our beliefs can be different than our values. And something that my therapist really challenged me with, and this is a Christian therapist. So I'm like, are you allowed to say this? And he said, you know what? You can meet someone who doesn't share your belief about God, but their fruit from their life and their values are completely in alignment. And he just constantly is challenging me to look outside the system and look outside the box because he was like, would you rather be with someone who shares your belief about God, but you don't share values, or maybe you don't have the exact same belief or beliefs, or you're not in alignment on every single tenet of your belief system, but your values are in alignment. Who would you rather be with? And I'm like, I want it all. I want someone who is in the exact same part of the deconstruction process as me, who listens to this type of music, who listens to these speakers, reads these books, and shares all my values. And really what I've found is I'm either looking for God or an exact replica of myself, which is narcissistic. 
So there's that. I also have a friend who deconstructed their faith a few years ago. They used to be a pastor. They're not anymore. And when I met them, they were completely uninterested in God, Jesus, faith, prayer, any of that. And then they started dating a person who was Buddhist. And this person who was Buddhist, the more and more they got to know each other, had these incredible shared values. And they would be like, oh my gosh, your background is Christianity. It's so crazy. Whenever we spend time together, I feel like Jesus is in the room. And that was shocking to my friend who grew up as a pastor and grew up in the culture of you have to be equally yoked all the time. But really, her dating this Buddhist reopened her faith towards Jesus. And they would have worship nights together and put on worship music and they would pray and talk about God and talk about Jesus. And I saw my friend who went from being completely turned off to any conversation about God or Christianity or Jesus, Holy Spirit, prayer, any of it, become open in such a beautiful way by having a completely different access point. And so am I saying you should go out there and date the first (laughs) Buddhist you meet? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying everyone's story is different. Everyone's story is different. And do we have space for people to be on a spiritual journey and further access points or re-access points to God being different than what we've been taught in church? Another thing that I've thought about recently is the story of Ruth and Boaz. Naomi and her family left their country. They were in a foreign land, which would mean that when Naomi's son married Ruth, that that would have been an interfaith relationship. She was not Hebrew. She was not Jewish. She was not an Israelite. She was a foreigner. And yet, Ruth married Naomi's son. The sons died tragically. We know the story. Ruth and Naomi go back to Naomi's homeland. Ruth ends up marrying Boaz, who she proposed to, and Boaz was Hebrew. And then through the bloodline of Ruth comes David and ultimately comes Jesus. So there had to be an interfaith or multiple interfaith marriages for that to happen. Now, is that biblical proof that you should just marry whoever you want? It doesn't matter what you believe. No, I do think that what you do or do not believe impacts and paints how you view and experience everything in life. What I would challenge is what does it actually mean to be spiritually compatible or equally yoked? There's the verse in the New Testament that we use all the time about being equally yoked. Again, what is it to be equally yoked with someone? Is it that they have to have this exact same doctrine about who God is or Jesus or the Spirit, or they have to read the Bible this exact same way? Or what is their character like? What is the fruit of their existence? What are their values? What's their integrity? Who are they when no one else is watching? I just recorded a podcast episode an hour ago with Sheila Gregoire, the author of The Great Sex Rescue, and we were talking about this. And she said, we focus on doctrine over character and fruit. 
when you're thinking about a spouse or a partner or even just a person you're dating, look at their character. Who are they? Look at the fruit of their life. Are they kind, gentle, self-control? Those fruits of the Spirit. It might mean that their beliefs maybe differ from you a little bit, and that's okay because at this point, how many of you know at least one couple? I know almost every couple in my life. I've been a bridesmaid 18 times. Almost every single one of those were Christian weddings, and I would say over half of those couples, one of them has deconstructed or walked away, and both of them have been on a a journey Faith is constantly evolving. Relationship with God is a relationship. It ebbs and flows. And when we just look at, do they share this doctrinal belief about who Jesus is with me? And that's all that you have in common. Well, when the shit hits the fan, who's the person you want to be with? Or let's say they walk away from their faith or you walk away from your faith. What's going to keep you together if you don't have shared values? So all this to say is, I would say, ideally, I would love to be with someone who has a high value on their relationship with God and Jesus. Like, that is what I want. And I also am open to the idea that shared values really, really matters and character and fruit really, really matters. So take what you wish or will about my personal opinion. I'm not saying everyone out here like screw Christian dating other people that share your faith. I'm just saying we just don't know what God's going to do. And can you be open to the unexpected? All right. Next question is a fun one. KB writes in, does masturbation cause loss of eggs? Thank you so much for asking this question and being courageous enough to ask this question because I think a lot of people who grew up with religious trauma or in Christianity or purity culture where masturbation and pleasure was demonized might have questions like this. There's a very simple answer to this question. No, 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 no. Masturbation does not cause a loss of eggs. In fact, if you are a vulva owner and you have ovaries and were born with them, you are born with a set amount of eggs. Once you start your period, when you hit puberty, you every month release a certain amount of eggs. And then if those eggs are not fertilized by a sperm, those eggs will shed. And that is what the blood of the period is, right? And so masturbation does not cause a loss of eggs. Our monthly cycles cause a loss of eggs. And if you are curious on fertility health and reproductive health, check out episode 201 where I share my fertility journey. And I have actually a ton of fertility resources. So just go to that podcast episode and then in those show notes, you'll see links to a ton of other fertility questions that I have. But this also is such a reflection of how poorly equipped so many of us are with sex ed. I'm 36 and only in the last few years have I started having any sort of semblance of actual sex education. This is why I'm such an advocate for comprehensive sex ed. Comprehensive sex ed isn't a hall pass to do whatever you want whenever you want it. It gives you knowledge and only with knowledge and information can you actually give informed consent. 
So KB, thank you for asking this question and being courageous to do so. And you have so much freedom. Go self-pleasure, explore yourself. It is not going to impact your eggs at all. All right. Anna asks, what do you think about sperm donation and faith? Great question. I will say this. I am so thankful for technological advances. Thank God for science. And what is so interesting to me about the question of, you know, how do we handle with this sort of stuff with faith is we expect the Bible to answer all of our specific questions. And the reality is that the God that we talk about in the Bible is so much bigger than the Bible. (laughs) Like it's not Father, Son, Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we go to scripture wanting to know, well, should I marry this person? What about is IVF a sin? Are hand jobs a sin? Is sperm donation a sin? But then we don't go to scripture for other stuff because we just accept it. Like, do you go to the dentist? (laughs) Do you wear shoes? If you break your leg, do you go to the doctor? Yes. But for whatever reason, we hyper-spiritualize some topics and then we don't really spiritualize any topics at all. Do you wear your seatbelt in the car? Are driving cars sinful? Because there weren't cars in the Bible times, and they sure didn't talk about how is the most godly way to transportation from city to city. This is where we use wisdom and discernment and where science is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't know if it was hundreds or thousands of years ago. One of the most controversial things was when Galileo proposed that the earth was not the center of the universe, that the sun was actually the center of our solar system. He got excommunicated from the church because for hundreds and hundreds of years before that, the common thought idea from quote-unquote scripture was that the earth was the center of all things. And so the idea is that as we evolve, we learn new things. As we get more information, we have more access, we get to make new decisions, right? So now it's not even a question, is the earth the center of the universe? Like that would be preposterous because of the proven facts that we have from science. Science and faith does not have to be incompatible. And all these questions that we're wanting answers to might not be in the Bible. They might be in science. They might be in discernment. They might be in doing research. I, for one, as a single person who is almost 37 years old and wants to have children, am looking into sperm donation because I want to have a child. I want to try to have a baby with my own body. And if I am not married in the next few years, then I will try sperm donation. And I am so grateful for the men that do that to give people like me the opportunities to become a mom, to give opportunities for couples who are having a hard time getting pregnant, to have sperm donation or surrogacy, to have someone else be able to carry your child for you. All of that. Wow. Amazing. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have so many options now, thanks to technological advances, where more and more people can experience the beauty and gift of parenthood. So 
those are my thoughts on sperm donation. Yeah, sperm, jizz away, folks. <laughs> All right, Jillian asks, do you regret expressing your boundaries while dating in your book if they've changed since? Ooh, going for the jugular. My answer to that is yes and no. So you probably know by now I wrote a book called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating desire and sex. It came out April of 2021. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Audible, or anywhere where you buy books. But... In that book, I talk about my experience of saving sex until marriage and then trying to figure out if I wanted to do that anymore. And then, spoiler alert, at the end of the book, I decided I still did want to abstain. And I shared what my physical boundaries were at the time. When I was writing that chapter, I really struggled because I didn't want to put something in writing that I wasn't going to hold to. And Then I had a conversation with Krista Black Gifford and I said, oh my gosh, like what if I say this stuff and I don't believe it a year from now or I don't believe it five years from now or what if my book or what I'm teaching in my book becomes like what Joshua Harris did and I kissed dating goodbye and it becomes something that he is shameful of and it becomes toxic. That was such a fear for myself in this writing process. And something that Krista said that was really helpful for me is she was like, we're constantly all evolving and changing. Like that's the human predicament or that's the human condition. Like we should be constantly growing and evolving. And to have something written down in a book, you you most certainly won't agree 100% with it later down on the road, but you believed it for a time and that is okay. That was truth. That was true for you. And we are all sharing to the best of our ability what is true for us in the moment. And that felt really freeing for me because I felt like I could let myself be human a little bit. And in that, it was still hard to put those boundaries in the book. The boundaries that I ended up sharing were that I wanted to only kiss and make out until marriage. So like no sleepovers, no hand jobs, oral sex, any of that, because I had expanded my definition of sex to mean a lot more than penis and vagina. So I thought, man, if I'm abstaining, then I'm an, I want to abstain from all of it. What I'll say is that at that time, I was not dating and I had not dated in a few years. And In the last year and a half since finishing my book, I have dated a lot. I dated one person for about five months, and then I've had several different like shorter dating relationships, and then six weeks, eight weeks, stuff like that. And I will say that I have not just kissed. (laughs) I have done more than that in certain scenarios. I have also done less than that in different scenarios, and... I think what I have experienced is one that I am human and I'm figuring out what my sexual boundaries are just like the next person. And so for me, the big thing has been, do I have permission for myself to be human? Do I have permission for myself to be on a journey? And I, and so in that 
I don't regret at all putting those boundaries in my book because that was real for me and that was true for me while I was writing that book. Now I'm at a different place where I am willing to explore a little bit more than when I was writing the book. Now, the second part of that is part of it that I do regret is I feel like when people are trying to figure out their boundaries. They look to someone else for a rubric or framework. And I have experienced a ton in this process that people just want to know what I do or do not do sexually so that they can copy paste it into their own life. And so I think by me sharing exactly what I was and wasn't willing to do in my book could be harmful in the sense that it would give people just a rubric for themselves as opposed to doing the hard work of self-examination and seeking God and figuring out in their own lives what they are willing to do or not do. And so I think that I did a disservice in that. And then the other thing that I have found is that other Christians are trying to figure out what you do and do not do sexually because they want to know if you're credible. Or, well, that person's a legitimate Christian because they're saving sex for marriage, or that person is not a legitimate Christian or not an authority because they're having sleepovers with their boyfriend, or they gave oral sex or received oral sex or took their shirts off and dry humped with their boyfriend or whatever. I've just found that I'm uninterested in having other people judge me based off what I do or do not do sexually anymore because I think it's unhelpful and I think it creates this legalistic, shame-filled atmosphere in Christian culture. So I've actually committed to not sharing what I do or do not do publicly at this point in my journey because I don't want to give you ammunition to take what I'm doing and copy paste it into your own life as opposed to doing your own work. Just as much as I don't want you sitting in the morality police judgment seat of judging me for what I do or do not do. Sometimes I go out with guys for a long time and I'm not physical at all. Sometimes I am physical. I feel like I'm babbling a little bit because I'm just still figuring this stuff out. Like I'm human just like you. So Jillian, thanks for asking that question. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right. There are a few more questions, but I'm going to call it because I feel like we've talked about a lot today and we've navigated some tough stuff, some easy stuff like the Bridgerton stuff, easy stuff like you can masturbate and not lose your eggs. Thank you, God, for technological advances and sperm donation. You've heard my thoughts on interfaith dating and asking people out and how to be an ally for the LGBTQ plus community. If you like these episodes, please let me know. I love doing Ask Cat and the Mentor Mondays on Instagram. And if you like them in podcast format, reach out and let me know and let me know what your questions are. And I would love to answer them on the next Ask Cat episode. And just a quick reminder, we are taking a month off from the Refined Collective podcast and having a little break. So I hope you enjoy the next month and I will talk to you soon.